Chapter 11 Aslan is Nearer Edmund, meanwhile, was having the most disappointing time. When the dwarf had gone to get the sledge ready, he expected that the witch would start being nice to him, as she had been in their last meeting. But she said nothing at all. And when at last Edmund plucked up the courage to say, Please, your majesty, could I have some Turkish delight? You, you said, she answered, silence, fool. Then she appeared to change her mind and said, as if to herself, and yet it would not do to have the brat fainting on the way. And once more she clapped her hands. Another dwarf appeared. Bring the human creature food and drink, she said. I'm Bethy, and this is Katie. And joining us this week is my sister, Ali Skipper. Hello! Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to For Narnia and For Aslan, Ali and all of our listeners. Together we're exploring the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Ali, it is so, so fun to have you here <laughs> and to see you after it's, it's been, been a while. It's been a long time. So just so we can introduce you to everybody, couple questions. So what do you spend your time doing? What do you do professionally? What do you do for just for fun? <laughs> well, professionally, I am a substitute teacher. It's been a busy year with COVID and people getting sick and going into quarantine for weeks at a time. So it's been a strange year. But yeah, it's been interesting because I've just I spend with several classes a good two weeks or even longer with just one class in one classroom. Wow. So that's so fun. I've gotten to know some <laughs> I've gotten to know some students very well. It's been fun. What grade are you usually with? Is it like all like kindergarten through twelfth or is it a certain I stick with elementary school and I've limited myself to second through fifth grade because of my back condition. Like the little ones are adorable, but they're very short. Yes. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> so I need to stick with the older kiddos so that I can keep working. Yes. <laughs> I would have never thought of that. You have to like bend down they're to talk small. to them. <laughs> <laughs> By second grade, they're much taller. Yes, they're, they're, more, they're a little taller and it's just a little easier hmm. for me. Even second grade can get a little, they can get a little short in second grade, but that's just, that's, that's what I've limited <laughs> myself to. Brilliant. Yeah, it's been fun. I love it when they accidentally call me mom. That's like my favorite thing. Oh, <laughs> oh. It's cute. really cute. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So Allie, I know that your favorite book of the Narnia series is the one that we're currently in, The Lion, mm -hmm. the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes, yes, yes. And within that, who is your favorite character? I really like Edmund. Uh, you do. You twins. You sisters. <laughs> I like him, which... Not literal twins, by the way. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought your favorite was Lucy. When did this change? Yeah, Lucy was my favorite as I was growing up, but Edmund has become my favorite, especially in this read-through. Yeah, I feel like your experience with youth and youth group has maybe affected that too. I think it has. Mm. Yeah. Because I, I love the kids that are like Edmund a lot. The ones that are sassy and that yeah. need yep. some extra love. So why is Edmund yours, Allie? He's us. Mm. Mm. Yeah. He's tempted. He's a brat. <laughs> He's also just kind of like <laughs> one of those characters that are tempted by power and beauty. And he, um, you know, wants to be powerful and he wants to be peter basically the oldest and the one who's in charge and oh yeah, yeah that's so true he wants that and 
you know, so do we. We're, we're tempted by beauty and power and, you know, we lust after sweets and, you know, the good things. And his redemption arc, his story arc and who he becomes as a person, Edmund the Just, you know, and then he not taking his experience and trying to wipe them from his character. He uses them to improve himself and mm-hmm. to hmm. improve the lives of the people around him. He even shares like his most shameful moments with his cousin, the person that he just despises the most, you know, in the future. Mm. And I don't know, I just I think he's a very interesting person. I think he's a very complex and complicated person who's kind of fun to dislike in the beginning because he's such a brat. (laughs) But then you're just like, oh, Edmund, you're me. I'm you. And also, he's a middle child, which I I resonate uh-huh. with. <laughs> I can feel him on that level. <laughs> this chapter is so good for Edmund. Mm-hmm. I, yes, I was really His excited. character is just going through so much right now. Yeah, he grows and changes completely yeah. in this chapter. I think this is the pivotal one for him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm so glad that this is the chapter you're in on. I remembered what chapter it was. I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Wow, I hadn't thought of this till you all were talking about that but it's like the same transformation that's happening in the world with the snow melting Mm -hmm. is exact it's all describing what's happening in edmund oh that's beautiful that's that's something that i thought of too while i was reading it yeah Uh, i can't wait to dive in should we just go for it you want to start us off with a recap yeah i'll recap for us in chapter 11 edmund discovers how truly terrible the witch is as he faces the reality that she plans on killing his siblings nearly freezes to death, watches her turn an entire Christmas party to stone, and is forced to walk tied and whipped. He also discovers how truly good Aslan is, as the very arrival of the lion to Narnia brings forth the most magnificent spring imaginable. (laughs) Bethy, you went all out on this recap. This is wonderful. (laughs) I was so proud of it. The most magnificent spring So what in this chapter stood out to you guys? Well, gosh, just how absolutely miserable this chapter is. Yes. (laughs) It's awful and it's traumatizing for poor Edmund. And then it just transforms into this beautiful imagery of winter melting away into this magnificent spring. And he's hearing things and seeing things that he's never, I'm sure he's never taken time to notice before. You know, is this the juxtaposition of how awful the beginning of the chapter is and how hopeful the end of the chapter is and how this is Aslan's doing and just like that feeling of, oh, what does that even mean? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't even know yet really who Aslan is. Yeah. We've been kind of introduced to his character, but this is such a cool way to mm-hmm. meet him. Uh, yes. That really struck me that I guess the pacing of the chapter, exactly what you're saying, Allie, of of starting out so, so miserable. And then it turns like you see the effects happening. And the whole chapter is called Aslan is Nearer. But we got all the way to the last paragraph before Aslan's name comes up at all. But the whole thing is about Aslan. And it's just at the very end, this second to last sentence that the dwarf says this is Aslan's doing. Whoa, I hadn't even noticed that. Yeah, me either. I was wondering if we would make it through the chapter without it ever saying Aslan's name, except the title. But then it's that very last sentence. That feels so much like the book of Esther. (laughs) Yeah. Where there's like all these things happening and you never actually hear God's name. Right. But you know that he's such Mm. a big part of it the whole time. That's a great comparison. And just the difference when the children hear Aslan's name for the first time. That, ooh, who? 
And then the difference <laughs> between, um, you know, just like that magical feeling and like that, that leap in their chest that, you know, they don't, they don't understand what it means really, but they know it's good. The difference mm-hmm. between their reaction to hearing Aslan's name and the witch going, if either of you say that again, I'm going to kill you. Like that immediate violent reaction to that and just the difference between yeah. what their just immediate response is to hearing his name. Well, and before Peter, Susan, and Lucy all had a positive reaction to Aslan's name, but Edmund didn't. Mm-hmm. But here, there was this line that said about Edmund, his heart gave a great leap, though he hardly knew why, when he realized that the frost was over. And to me, this felt like the same sort of moment as what his siblings had when they heard Aslan's name. We haven't actually heard that Edmund is more open to Aslan yet, but the way he's responding to Aslan's works is changed. Mm-hmm. One area in this that really stood out to me is the moment where they come upon a Christmas party that's happening. And Edmund is so hungry and he smells the food that they have. And this old fox is about to make a toast and it's so celebratory. And the witch asks them what's going on. They say, Father Christmas has come. Yeah. And she says, what? He has not been here. He cannot be here. How dare you? But no, say you've been lying and you shall even now be forgiven. That was Uh so interesting Mm -hmm. to me. She, for some reason, is willing to forgive them mentioning him. Right. I wonder why. At first, I was thinking she doesn't want the word to get out. Like, they need to not spread the word about it. But I think she wants them to lie to her. I think she wants them to convince her that this isn't happening. I've never thought about that line. Yeah, that she was willing to have compassion for a second. Yeah. I don't think that's compassion. I think she's trying to extract comfort for herself. Mm, Yeah. Well, it made me wonder, so we've got this dwarf who is serving her. We see another dwarf when Edmund is in her castle. We also see these wolves who are serving her. Mm -hmm. And later on, she calls the dwarf her slave. How did these animals come into her service? Was it like a situation like this where she was willing to forgive them if they would do something for her? Or are they being threatened into it? Or is it the same thing that happened with Edmund where she kind of sweet-talked him into it and made promises and said all kinds of things that he wanted to hear? And he was like, well, yeah, I'm on your side. You want to make me king? Okay, let's do this. There's a draw to being important and like close to power, Mm -hmm. too. This is the queen. I'll be better off. Like This is where it's at. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's something to the allure of being around someone with power even if they don't give you power you want to be around them it's Mm. like being friends with the school bully oh yeah you don't want to be far away from them because they could start bullying you and they might not give you power like what they have but at least it's safer i wonder if that's what's Mm. going on here Mm -hmm. that's an interesting thought you kind of feel powerful by extension even if you're actually not yeah like looking at this wolf or these dwarves like they act smug Something that I put in my notes that I thought was interesting, how we kind of get what Edmund is feeling. We get, you know, his thoughts and things like that um, while he's on the sledge and all that. But when the witch is saying to the wolf, find the children, if you see them, you know what to do. We don't get any of Edmund's inner thoughts or reaction to that. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Why do you think that's how it's written? I'm not sure. It kind of makes me wonder if we're just not there yet with Edmund, where he's still so on the queen's side that he's he hasn't really seen the witch at work yet until they get to that party. 
he realizes what she's about to do and he begs for their lives going no 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 don't don't please don't and then he's hit yeah she hits him for speaking out against her and that is a fascinating moment because in that moment he suddenly for the first time in this story feels sorry for someone besides himself he's suddenly allowed himself to see beyond his own thoughts beyond his own feelings yeah and how traumatizing would that moment be seriously like i can't imagine that he would have forgotten those animals like in my notes i mentioned like there's no way this would have been so traumatizing yeah to see this happen right in front of you something you have never seen before someone who you thought you were on the right side all they were doing was having a party and then they're suddenly killed in front of you. And I can't imagine that he forgot. I want to think that one of the first things that he requests of Aslan is to find this party and bring these animals back. Definitely. I've thought about that as well. Mm -hmm. I just have immediately assumed like, oh, well, these animals mm -hmm. were saved. But it's not like Edmund knows exactly where he is. He's never no. been here before. Like, I bet he went searching for a long time. I'm sure he did. Yeah, that was that was another thought of mine. Like, that could have been one of his, like... I, you know, did Aslan go with him or did he go on his own or? Hmm. Did you guys notice this line? It says Edmund saw the witch bite her lips so that a drop of blood appeared on her white cheek. Mm. Yeah. You think how hard you have to bite your lip to make yourself bleed? Ouch. Seriously. Also, I was confused. Like, how did blood it get, get up on her cheek? cheek? Yeah, no, I read that a couple <laughs> of times. Like, did she, like, whip around right then? How did she do that? Hair flipped. <laughs> I do my hair toss. Turn you to stone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> anyway, just noting in passing. Yeah, it's kind of intense. Yeah. I mean, it's not kind of intense. It's like extremely intense. <laughs> she must have sharp teeth. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is kind of silly, but another moment that I was like, oh, how miserable is when the sledge gets stuck and it's like in mud and sludge and slush. <laughs> and she says, don't sit staring, fool. Get out and help. And I just was <laughs> like, look, all of this is really bad, but I think the worst part is... <laughs> Having to get into this sludgy snow <laughs> and have to <laughs> have to like pull this sledge out of the mud. I would be so bad. <laughs> and just with the dwarf. Yeah, just yeah, with the dwarf issue. and the reindeer, yeah. Yeah, that would actually be really difficult, I think. Yeah. <laughs> they managed yeah. it. It's like when you have to stop the car and put chains on the wheels and it's uh, like snowing uh, all around you and everything's gross and you're freezing and you forgot to put gloves on and you're yeah. miserable. <laughs> he doesn't have a coat. No, yeah, he uh, doesn't. He left it behind, didn't he? Bad moment. Once again, he's getting covered in snow and he stops shaking I it off. It's like he's not even alive. Oh. Poor buddy. Poor buddy. What I thought was kind of funny, what made me kind of laugh was how, you know, the, the sledge finally stopped and the dwarf goes, it's no good. We can't get this sledge to move. And she's like, all right, we're going to walk then, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. nothing is deterring this witch from getting no. to where she wants to go. She's like, all right, we're walking. You know, it's like that dad who's yeah. like, <laughs> that's going to yes! build something dad would do. <laughs> we're yeah, I'm wondering, like, what's her plan? Like, the dwarf is like, it's obvious we can't beat them now. Mm hmm. She's trying to hold on to her, like, mystique of being powerful and cold and stuff, but she is losing it. Yeah, you can kind of see she's starting to unravel. Yeah. 
I have to imagine she's feeling some fear right about now. The most. I mean, I think she realizes before them, like when they see Father Christmas to them, it's like, oh, okay, there's a party of people in the woods. But she's like, this is everything. Like, this is my reign coming to an end, potentially. Yeah, this is a big freaking deal to her. And to the Narnians too, but it's all for different reasons. Yeah. Mm. Katie, do you have a sacred reading practice for us today? I do. And this is something I want to try that's new. Ooh. I've not tried it with scripture before, but I have tried it with poetry before. And I feel like it would work with scripture. And I think it will definitely work with Narnia. I hope so. And especially with three of us. That was the inspiration. So it's the part where Edmund realizes the sound he's hearing is the sound of running water. I love that. Uh, yes. So what I want us to try is reading in a round, like when you sing and one person starts and then the next person starts a little bit later and then the next person starts. So we're going to do this and we're going to have one of us start and then the next and the next. Awesome. So it's a paragraph starting with, and in that silence, Edmund could at last listen. And then I think let's end when he sees dark green of a fir tree. What order are we reading it in? Bethy, do you want to start and then Allie and then me? Sure. And I'm thinking the next person can start when the person before them finishes saying chattering noise and gets to that dash. And then the next person starts at end in that silence. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. I'm I'm really curious. <laughs> I haven't practiced this. Let's see how it goes. It's like the Narnian version of row, row, row your boat. Let's hear what Edmund experiences. When that happened, there was a moment's silence. And in that silence... Edmund could at last listen to the other noises properly. A strange, sweet, rustling, chattering noise. And, and in yet, that silence, not so strange, Edmund could at last for he heard it before. Properly. If only he a could remember where. Rustling, chattering Then noise. all at once, and he yet, did remember. Not so strange, and in that silence, Edmund could at last listen to the other noise properly. So sweet, there was the rustling, chattering noise, murmuring, and yet bubbling, not so strange, for he heard it before. Even in the distance, if only he could remember where. Then all at once, and his heart did remember. It was the noise of running water. When he realized all around them, though out of sight, there were streams, chattering, murmuring, bubbling, splashing. And, and even in the distance, roaring at one tree, and his heart gave a great leap. He saw a great load of snow slide away when he realized that the frost was over. And much nearer, there was a drip, drip, drip from the branches of all the trees. And then, as he looked at one tree, he saw a great load of snow slide off it. And for the first time since he had entered Narnia, he saw the dark green of a fir tree. Whoa! <laughs> guys it's so cool i noticed the drip 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 so much because you each said it ahead of me and then i said yeah, it and yeah, it, it felt like it was too. happening uh, <laughs> it felt like we were becoming a river yeah. so cool. <laughs> with like streams chattering murmuring mm-hmm. bubbling splashing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. the repetition of that was so fun cool wow katie Yay. this was such a good idea it just felt like this passage was the place because it's like the experience of what he's hearing mm-hmm. yeah. as creating it. Thanks for doing this. Could we try that again in the bird chatter section? <gasps> Ooh. Yes. Where is that? It's very near the end of the chapter. Should we do it in a different order? 
Allie, would you like to start? And then me, and then Bethy? Okay. Close beside the path they were following, a bird suddenly chirped from a branch of a tree. It was answered by the chuckle of another bird a little further off. Close beside the path and they then, were following, a bird suddenly chirped from the signal, branch of a tree. There was chattering it was answered by the chuckle of another bird a little further off. That they were and in following, a moment, and then, a bird as if that had been a signal, the branch of a tree, there was a chattering and a chirping in every direction. And then a moment of full song, and within five minutes, the whole wood was ringing with birds' music. And wherever Edmund's eyes turned, he saw birds alighting on a branch or sailing overhead. Or chasing one another, or having their little quarrels, or tidying up their feathers with their light on branches, or sailing overhead, or chasing one another, or having their little quarrels, or tidying up their feathers with their beaks. Very cool. I did this thing one time in an English class where the professor had us all write like musical notations in our text for a poem about like volume increases, Mm. decreases, pauses, sudden loud, stuff like that. And we all read the poem together like that. And then parts of it were like this. So cool. <laughs> that's so fun. Yeah. Uh, Katie, thanks for thinking of this. Yeah. This was an awesome practice that was for this fun. chapter. Thanks. It went very well thanks with it. Thanks for doing it. So fun. Are you guys ready for some scripture reading? Yes. Today we're looking at Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Hmm. I felt like this passage summarizes this chapter perfectly in that sorrow can be broken. And once it's broken, it's not always like this, but it can sometimes be like a waterfall that's like trickling down and then suddenly the snow melts and it's rushing down. One thing gets better and the next thing gets better and the next thing gets better. And I don't want to minimize depression or minimize difficult times, but I do want to kind of equate the idea that, you know, when one thing goes wrong, suddenly everything goes wrong. Mm. The opposite of that truth is also a truth. When one thing starts to go right, Often a lot of other things go right and follow it with it. Did Lewis even tell us that in The End of the Magician's Nephew about Diggory's life? Oh, you're right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He totally did. Mm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh. It really makes me think of my own experience with winter this year. This whole chapter, really, I was reflecting a lot on how hard this winter was um, with that storm Mm. that rolled through Texas. Oh, yeah. Yes. How devastating it was. You know, we, Jesse and I didn't lose power, but a pipe burst and flooded our house. Mm-hmm. And mm. because everyone's pipes burst, we didn't have water mm-hmm. for two weeks. Everyone was in a state of emergency. So wow. that relief that Edmund felt when he heard running water I was like, oh my gosh, just like turning on the faucet that night that we finally got <sighs> our water back and that pipe was fixed and we could turn on water. And that relief of just hearing that sound again <laughs> wow, yeah. from our faucets. And then, you know, with all of that snow and it was finally melting away and daffodils were coming up huh. and oh. the birds were back out again and we could go back outside and not be frozen. Uh, 
And, you know, our house is kind of a mess right now because of the flood and it's very much out of our hands. So Jesse and I have kind of gone outside and we've we've started a vegetable garden and we've set out a Mm -hmm. bird feeder and I'm, I sit in my bed and I watch the birds or I'm outside watching the birds and watching Mm -hmm. bright red cardinals and like seven doves trying to eat from it all at once and like (laughs) watching these funny birds just like interact with each other and you know, watching our garden grow and just like that relief of feeling, you know, it wasn't very long, like it was like two weeks, but my gosh, was that devastating for Texas. (laughs) And for us, it just made everything so awful. But like once that water was back on and the snow was melted, it was just that feeling of, okay, one thing is fixed. One thing is taken care of. Now let's keep going. It's just like that feeling of, okay, so the snow is gone. Like in Narnia, the snow is gone. It's melted. Now what's going to happen? Things can start Mm -hmm. happening again. Right. There's hope again. So just that I really, really connected with this (laughs) chapter and putting my own experience with this horrible winter that we went through into the hope of spring and being outside and really experiencing spring and enjoying it in a way that I have never enjoyed it before. It makes me think of the line, unless you've looked at a world of snow as long as Edmund had been looking at it, you will hardly be able to imagine what relief those green patches were after the endless white. Yeah, I I wrote that down in my notes, that quote. Hmm. It was a lot. And then it was gone, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And our house is still a disaster, but we have water and it's gone to the point where it's just kind of, you know, we don't really notice it anymore. It's just kind of annoying to see out of the corner of my eye. (laughs) But other than that... It's okay now. It's yeah. hopeful. Yeah. There's hope mm-hmm. to be found. Our church did this thing called the Water Walk two weeks ago that just you talking about Texas reminded me because it's an organization called Water Mission and I think they provided some aid in Texas, oh. but they also build wells and sustainable water sources around the world. And so it was a lot of talking about like, what does it look like to live without water? So anyway, just reading this Psalm verse, you know, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I feel like the Texas example is like a microcosm of like what we're praying for the whole Mm. world too. It's just, yeah, water's been in my mind a lot. So that was a cool connection to hear you talk about. Yeah. My connection with Psalm 30 is especially this last part, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And my story involves a lot of anxiety and I especially feel anxiety at night for Mm. some reason. Yeah. I can start to get really upset and anxious at night to the point that Joshua knows to ask me, like, do you think maybe it's time to go to bed? Because I think in the morning you probably won't feel these things. Mm, Right. And that is almost always true. Wow. That for me, weeping stays for the night and rejoicing Mm -hmm. comes in the morning. So I just have always really connected with this verse, and I was excited to see the ways that it could connect here as well. Mm. It's such a good way to talk about, like, change has happened in my life. Like, God has done something new. Just Mm -hmm. that night and morning, even if it's not literal for everybody. Mm -hmm. Because weeping, you know, it says it may come in the night, but, you know, joy comes in the morning. That night might last a long time. Yeah. I kind of had, I mean, it'd be too simple to say it's, like, exactly a closed book, but... When I was in seminary, I had a couple years where similarly increasing anxiety and bouts of just literal weeping, like I would just kind of be crying uncontrollably and was kind of freaked out, like, what's, why am I so, and ended up through some counseling and, um, and some meds and 
some just changing life circumstances that next spring like my family and everybody started noticing like you're so much better you're so much yourself Mm. and it feels like this sort of verse and life has not felt as as hard since then which is just a huge gift from god that yeah maps onto this like longer term night and morning yeah Mm -hmm. i feel like this conversation i want to end with one last quote after all of this Everything is clearing up. Edmund's had the most terrible time. And it says, shafts of delicious sunlight struck down onto the forest floor. And overhead, you could see a blue sky between the treetops. There's just so much hope to be found. In the middle of a chapter that we started off with this episode Mm -hmm. saying, like, this was terrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This was a terrible time. And yet... There is blue sky to be found. Yeah, the end is just overflowing. Mm-hmm. And the dwarf's line, this is no thaw. This is spring. Like, that when God steps in, I, I mean, we're, we're getting tastes of it already, but I'm picturing heaven too. Like, this isn't just a temporary, things are better for a moment, but death and suffering and all misery is going to, you know, come back around like death and taxes or whatever. <laughs> like, no, this is spring. This is a sea change. Something is different. Mm-hmm. How do you think we can apply this to our week ahead? I think it'd be nice to actually sit outside like, I mean, Edmund doesn't get to just sit and enjoy it, but to listen to the birds for a while and the sounds of spring that's happening right now and just appreciate a little bit what's happening. And then also kind of a more metaphorical level, but still like to actually take concrete time to do that, um, to, to sit and appreciate what God's up to right now. Part of my job is to like be paying attention to needs in the congregation or praying for different ones or something, but to also just take some time and sit and notice, you know, how Aslan is on the move right now and what's happening. How about you guys? Bethy and I were kind of talking about my week earlier. Now I have got a lot of things lined up because I'm working here and there, and then I'm also starting to take steps to eliminate, trying to figure out what's going on with my back. And I'm not really looking forward to any of it. You know, I'm already in a lot of pain and, you know, I'm going to physical therapy. I have an injection in my spine (laughs) lined up Mm. and Mm. so I'm not, I'm not looking forward to it, but these are like the things that need to happen in order for us to figure out what's going on. So (sighs) I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really looking forward to the rest of this week, but there's a, like a big old thunderstorm coming through right now. And so when the storm clears up, I'll be able to go outside and watch the birds again and yeah we'll be able to fill up the theater and you know the cardinals will come back and you know I won't have to water the garden and you know our vegetables because there was a spring rain so that's taken care of for me <laughs> so yes. God's taken care of it for me I don't have to <laughs> drag a, a big old watering can around <laughs> mm-hmm. and then I can just sit out and I can enjoy looking at it and the work that we've done enjoying the little things that are causing rejoicing even within a storm pray for rejoicing on the other side of this huge long-term struggle with your back pain Mm. yeah what about you bethy i think my application this week is to make some art that has to do with 
rejoicing coming in the morning. And I don't know if it's going to be spring flowers and kind of a callback to this chapter or if it's going to be a sunrise Mm. or something like that. But I think I'd like to make some art about this and put it somewhere in my house where I can be reminded, like, maybe it's time to go to bed (laughs) so that rejoicing can come in the morning. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, that's lovely. Allie, will you read us out? The trees began to come fully alive. The larches and birches were covered with green, the laburnums with gold. Soon, the beech trees had put forth their delicate, transparent leaves. As the travelers walked under them, the light also became green. A bee buzzed across their path. This is no thaw, said the dwarf, suddenly stopping. This is spring. What are we to do? Your winter has been destroyed, I tell you. This is Aslan's doing. If either of you mention that name again, said the witch, he shall be instantly killed. And this was only the beginning of the adventures of Narnia. See you next week with chapter 12 of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Allie, thank you so yeah, much. Thanks for inviting me. What a fun chapter so to be lovely. a guest on. Oh, I loved this. You crushed it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, you guys don't hear the cat. I just heard a I little just, meow. I now did. <laughs> She's trying. Do you so want to let her in to get in? Yeah, you're welcome <laughs> right, to. You know what? I'm gonna. Yeah, go She's ahead and let her in. Poor thing. Yeah. Allie has a very vocal three-legged cat. With names, name <laughs> mitten kitten. Named mitten. Mitten. Yeah, a little one mitten paw that she has in front. Aww. What do you want?